Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994, many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. So today I'm musing about what I would do if I were president. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Trump and DeSantis. I guess I have to do that. Let's be very clear. Trump brought America back. When many of us feared that the Obama administration was ushering in the socialist takeover of America, Trump, using truthfully a lot of my books, as I was told by someone who created his campaign, Trump brought us back on course with his messaging. Trump stopped the assault on America's values, her people, and her pride. However, I believe Trump has lost his message. He made it about himself. He kept complaining about the stolen election. Even if it's all true, nobody wanted to hear it. He needs to stop looking back and start looking forward. Now, I supported Donald Trump even before he threw his hat in the ring. Years ago on my radio show, I asked Trump about running for the presidency. That was in 2011. I knew that he understood my rallying cry to patriots across this nation of borders, language, and culture. Well, no matter what, no matter which person you choose, Trump and DeSantis both give us hope that there is a future for our republic, that there are still men in America who will rise to the occasion and not abandon the American people. Ultimately, Trump gave rise to DeSantis. Trump signaled that America was ready for someone to give it to them straight, for someone to stand up to the woke mobs and tell them we're not going to take any more of the subversion of our liberties. And remember this, without Trump, there would be no DeSantis. Trump needs to remember to make this about the nation, not about himself. About the nation, not about himself. And stop complaining about stolen elections. That's one man's opinion. We see the kind of charlatans, fakers, and liars who have hijacked America on both sides of the aisle. And I don't have to name names for you to know who I'm talking about. And so, therefore, when you see that people like Joe Biden, who was clearly senile, is liable to be reelected again because of the incompetence of the Republicans and the complicity of the media. There comes a time when a man like myself, who has spent his entire life articulating what America could be like, is ready to say to you that I have a plan to save America. And if I ran for the presidency, here are but some of the ideas I have to save America, not necessarily in this order, but they will be organized around the theme of borders, language, and culture. So let's begin with culture, because most people understand what the borders are. They know what language is, but they don't understand what I mean when I say culture. I'll make it very simple for you. 
I would put the Ten Commandments back into every schoolroom in America on the wall and get rid of the trans commandments. You heard me. The Ten Commandments, not the trans commandments in every school. English only. Make English the official language of the United States. Require all who immigrate to our country to begin immediately to learn English as part of the requirement to qualify for the privilege of American citizenship. All voting ballots will be written in English only. If you don't read English, you don't vote. It's that simple. Two, close the borders. Use illegal aliens to build a wall between the United States and Mexico. Pay the illegals for their labor in the form of a one-time worker fee. Upon finishing, repatriate them to their home country. In other words, deport all four to five million illegal aliens who Joe Biden illegally flooded into this country. Defend our borders. Pull our troops out of other nations where they're doing nothing and put them on our southern border where there's a real threat to our nation. Reduce the size and scope of our government. The federal government, as you know, is out of control. With the exception of the military and defense, reduce all departments in size by 4% each year for a total reduction in size by 16% over four years. Require government employees to speak English and to have achieved at least a high school diploma or fire them. Next, strike down the anchor babies law. Eliminate the loophole in our law that encourages illegal immigrants to enter the country for the purpose of having anchor babies who are U.S. citizens simply because they happen to have been born in our hospitals. Export jailed illegal aliens. Our federal, state, and local jails are still overcrowded with inmates. A good percentage, perhaps 29 or more percent, are illegal aliens. They don't even belong here, yet we're paying an average of Thirty-five dollars to $45,000 a year to house, feed, clothe, and entertain them. Immediately send them back to their country of origin. Michael Savage, a host like no other. All right, well, look, I'm talking about things that I would do if I were president, what I would do to save our country. Next, I would give a pay raise to military personnel, especially combat military personnel. Combat military personnel, not the deadbeats in uniform who are working in the Defense Department. Increase pay for active duty combat troops by at least 15%. Increase tariffs on China. We must draw a line in the sand with regard to China in order to loosen their stranglehold on our economy by imposing a 25% tariff on all goods produced in China. That tariff should be raised by 5% each year that China refuses to revalue its currency. Institute a flat tax. This simplifies the complex tax code and the unfair practice of tax discrimination. Since about 50% of U.S. households pay no federal income tax, you heard me, all Americans above the poverty level should pay the same percentage of income tax, a straight 15% across the board, for individual earners, no exceptions. Reduce the estate tax back to zero. Eliminate the death tax all over again. It's a confiscatory practice of taxing the inheritance money passed from parents to children upon the parent's death. That means it's triple taxation. Reduce pay and pensions for civil servants. 
Why are we paying such high disability pension per year for former fire chiefs and police chiefs? Why do almost 2,000 House of Representatives staffers take down six-figure incomes? We must reduce pay and pensions for civil servants. We must defend the Defense of Marriage Act. Traditional marriage is between a man and a woman, a biological man and a biological woman, period. This basic building block of society must continue to be defined as a legal union between one man and one woman. End affirmative action. This far-left policy of giving special advantage to certain groups has no place in America. When people of all colors and ethnicities compete equally and to the best of their abilities, the best and most qualified will rise to the top. Studies demonstrate that giving certain groups of people a leg up in competing for positions and honors usually harms them more than it benefits and leads to revert. It also leads to reverse discrimination and possibly a race war. Limit welfare benefits. Provide welfare benefits for no longer than three years. Require able-bodied recipients of welfare to volunteer 15 hours per week in acts of community service. America will cease to exist if we continue to steal from the makers and give to the takers. We need absolute voter ID, voter reform. We must require a government-issued photo ID, such as a driver's license at the ballot box when voting. Now, I could go into details about how Wall Street is out of control. I could say again, reinstate the Glass-Steagall Act. This was an act instituted in 1933, which required the separation of commercial and investment banks. It was repealed in 1999, and it was one of the key factors leading to the breakdown of the residential mortgage investment sector. Reinstate the Wall Street uptick rule. This will control the hedge fund raiders. We must reinstate the uptick rule before the stock market collapses altogether. We must institute tort reform. Tort reform must be instituted for medical malpractice to curb frivolous lawsuits by the briefcase mafia and stop out of control awards for damages. Medical liability should be capped at $250,000 per claim, by the way, as it is in California, where it works, where it was introduced in 1978. If passed, tort reform legislation will reduce the legal industry's inordinate influence in raising medical costs. Run the country like a business, not an empire. We cannot blame a specific president for the entire economic morass we are now in. However, as any homeowner knows, if you have $100,000 in debt at the end of the year, you don't eliminate that $100,000 debt by incurring $300,000 additional debt, which your children and children's children will have to pay for. Instead, you pay down that debt by cutting unnecessary expenses. As I say, getting back to basics is the only way to save America. Much more can be done, and much more will be done. Which vision of America will win the day? Here is how Benjamin Franklin put it in his speech during the Constitutional Convention of June 28, 1787. He fundamentally said that the real basis of our existence is as a nation with a contract with the Judeo-Christian God. And here's what he said. In the beginning of the contest with Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayers in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. 
All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. To that kind providence, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend, or do we imagine we no longer need its assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? And I will say again to you, members of the Savage Nation, it's time that we begin to revisit and reestablish the religious and moral principles that flow from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible and from the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, principles that have enabled us to become the great nation that we are today. I'm not suggesting we turn America into a theocracy. Rather, this means that we would do well to put our religious beliefs into practice in such a way that we cleanse our national soul of the sick, immoral, and degrading cultural practices that uh, have done and are doing our nation such enormous harm. They are killing our children. The question remains, whose vision of America will win the day? The perverts or the patriots? We can and must do better. I'm Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. All right, welcome back to the Michael Savage Podcast. Now, I should be a socialist by um, any definition, because why? I'm the son of an immigrant. I come from a poor family. And by rights, the poor desire to take, not earn, what the rich have. But you see, I'm not a socialist, because I'm also a thinking human being. It's true, when I was a child, we were poor. I had a lot of impediments thrown at me as I grew up into adulthood. I was first a social worker on the Upper West Side of Manhattan after college, and then I was a school teacher. Those professions were filled with all left-wing fanatics. Today, many of the people I work with when I was younger are running New York City or the world, into the ground, by the way. They learned nothing from history. They're stuck in amber. They fell into resin in 1969 and never came out of it. Their thinking became fossilized. But why am I not a socialist? As the son of an immigrant who grew up in a cauldron of an immigrant community in New York that was largely left-wing, you would think that I would have been a Bernie Sanders supporter. Well, as I mentioned, I was a school teacher. I was a social worker. I worked in a factory. Those are jobs typically held by far-left individuals. So why am I not a socialist? Why did I become who I am and when did it happen? I became disenchanted because I became ambitious and wanted to make something of myself. And once I expressed that desire, every impediment you could imagine was thrown into my way. First, I was blocked from realizing my goal of becoming a college professor because of my race and sex. I was not a minority, and I was not a woman, and I was not a first-generation immigrant, and I was not a transgender. Otherwise, I might have become a very happy college teacher like the rest of the leeches called college teachers, 90% or more of whom do absolutely nothing but collect a fat check and moan and groan about how bad American capitalism is. I would have become a willing pawn in what was essentially a gigantic brainwashing academy that destroys our youths with hatred and lies. I probably would have been one of them, happily hanging around. I'd be retired by now, and I'd have all of my friends marching around talking about how evil America is, 
how horrible and illiterate Donald Trump is, how brilliant the Democrats are, and how wonderful Bernie Sanders is, how wonderful the heroes are who march, attack, and kill police. But I am not a socialist because I changed a long time ago. Unlike most of my cohorts, I evolved. They stayed in New York or big cities, and they also stayed in the ghettos of their own minds, trapped in them with the rhetoric of the 1960s, which goes back to the 1930s, which goes back to the 1880s. For them, there's nothing new under the sun. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. They're all cynical. They know everything. The irony here is that you see a billionaire like Larry David, who made $1 billion or more on the Seinfeld series, yet he espouses socialism. He masks himself as a socialist, as many of those from that menu do. But let me tell you a little story about Larry David. A friend shared a small office building with him during the Seinfeld years. Technically, the bathroom belonged to the Seinfeld offices. My friend who worked for another show was told he couldn't use it. He had to go to another building. You see, socialism works for these guys only in the third person, not in the first person. They don't want to personally have to share anything. Hollywood is filled with hypocrite activists. They all pretend they're fanatical left-wing guys while they're worth billions of dollars. How does that work? How does it work that they want more taxes and more restrictions? Because they're liars through and through. As I pointed out in the little bathroom story, they're safe in their little enclaves. They are polishing their image to sell more shows, to win more Emmys, to outshine their rivals. It's all posturing. In fact, Larry David was just used as a spokesmouth for the crypto crook. You forgot about that already? The good old Larry David, the communist from Brooklyn, was a front man for the crypto crook. But I evolved. I transcended that when I decided I wanted to be a success. I saw the impediments that were being put into my way by the social engineers on the left. And that's when the light started to dawn for me. That's when I realized how deadly socialism is. The ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, so-called, is the worst organization in the history of the United States. It is filled with subversives, and it has done more harm to this country than all the drug cartels put together. It should be investigated by the next Republican Congress, brought before a grand jury and tried for the crimes it has committed and is committing. I'll never forget the statement from the ACLU when I was a new PhD and I applied to be a college professor. The ACLU said, quote, some people have to put their careers on hold so others may advance. So they put people with lower standing, lower credentials ahead of those who, like me, had proven themselves and earned their higher standing. They intentionally skipped over better qualified individuals and instead gave academia the underqualified generation of college professors. They brought you to the debased university system we have inherited today. That's why in our schools today we don't have the blind leading the blind. We have subversives making a new generation of subversives. Men and women and transgenders whose eyes and ears and mouths are filled with hate for people who respect borders, language, culture, and tradition. Those are the people I had to step aside for, and I thank God I did. That's what drove me into my immense success as an author and broadcaster. In any single podcast, I reach and influence more people than I would have in 20 years of teaching. Unintended consequences work both ways. In trying to silence me and all the other highly qualified white males, the ACLU created a voice opposing them that is now heard around the world. 
I'm Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I think it's well known by anyone who's read any of my books that communists have used sexual liberation and repression to undermine this nation. We know that the left-wing revolution has destroyed the fabric of American society. We don't have to look any further than what they are doing to our children. How they are perverting our children, how our culture and society has degenerated into a less civil, less moral, less ethical direction. And if we look at our evolution, we can see where, how far we have fallen. Obviously, morality is in the eye of the beholder. But there are some universal truths. We all know that children are fragile and need our protection. And that is why UNICEF, Save the Children, Child Fund, and Gays Against Groomers champion the principle that every child has the right to live free from being exploited and abused. How have drag queens become the model for a new society? How have such marginal characters who used to be in burlesques in the backside of town now being pushed into our schools? How have public libraries become venues for destroying our children? All under the pretext of teaching love and acceptance, which is a complete lie. Listen to this garbage. According to the Drag Queen Story Hour website, DSH captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. In spaces like this, kids are able to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions and imagine a world where everyone can be their authentic selves, unquote. This is the sickest thing I've ever read. Children have imaginations. They don't need perverts to prod their imaginations. What these perverts have done is co-opt our educational system to their deviancy by exposing children to pornographic material. What world would permit parents to expose their children to overt sexual X-rated performances? Anyone who stands up is called a bigot because of the psychopathic attempt to turn boys into girls and girls into boys. Did you know, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about 1 million people out of 330 million in the U.S. identify as transgender? According to a recent University of California, Los Angeles survey, there are 1.4 million transgender adults, and the great majority, 1.2 million, are transgender women. How has this happened? How has this even happened? The Urban Dictionary defines a cisgendered male meaning a biologically assigned male at birth as useless. Heterosexual, cisgender, Caucasian males are considered racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic scum by the vermin who are running this country. One of the goals of the medical student group called White Coats for Black Lives is to, quote, dismantle dominant, exploitative systems in the United States, which are largely reliant on anti-black racism, colonialism, cis-hetero-patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism, unquote. Do you understand what's going on in this country? How have we come this far? How have we fallen this far? It began with the communist revolution. The communists have destroyed the fabric of American society. When the new communist revolution started, people who were sexually promiscuous felt it was necessary to do it in the road, as the Beatles sang. 
They still do. And the pornography has spread to mainstream entertainment, to family relations, and even to, quote, scientific research. In the space of just a few years, we went from a traditional Disney fairy tale called Frozen to sequels in which the stars support the heroine and the heroes having same-sex love interests, in addition to transgendered love interests. How many of these young people will be on psychiatrist couches in a number of years to come? Where did this begin? A lot of this came from the sexual liberation movement of the 1960s. You don't have to be a genius to figure out how that grew from the rigidity of the church, the rigidity of Christians, the rigidity of marriage, institutions, and traditions that kept people from enjoying themselves. Conservatives were seen as the cops guarding the borders between hedonism and repression. The same is true today. Anyone who is seen as a conservative now by Hollywood and the media is considered someone who will repress your sexual freedom. Let's try to put all this into a sexual context because this all began with the sexual revolution. We were warned that the way the communists would break down the walls of our society would be through the sexual revolution. Marxist social equality meant an end to gender domination, which meant that women could do everything that men did. Now move forward 70 years and look where the sexual revolution has led. Is it not time to think about this so-called revolution more carefully? Not all things should revolve around your hedonistic impulses. Sometimes controlling yourself is more important than expressing yourself in certain areas. By controlling yourself, you might just affect yourself and society for the better. Is it possible that unlimited freedom is suicide, just as unlimited repression is suicide? Like the Soviet system, wasn't that unlimited repression? We're all against unlimited repression, as in the ex-Soviet Union. Well, the opposite of that is America today, with unlimited sexual freedom. Both of them are equally damaging to the social order, and we need to strike a balance. No one is saying, let's go back to the 1950s or something like that. But let's understand that there are facts related to behavior in a society that are universal. Let's go back to the research that's being put out as science today. Ask yourself why, in interviews with roughly 10,000 people between the ages of 18 and 44, the numbers show a great increase in women's sexual experiences with other women. Is that the mark of a healthier society, do you think? Is that the direction of a society that is going to thrive? I don't think so. Dare I say that I pretty much know that it's not? Dare I say that the plunging birth rate would indicate that I am correct? Some of that is the result of the Marxist doctrine of gender equality, that everyone should have a career, that no one should stay home and raise kids. But there's something else at work. The CDC tells us that women today are almost three times as likely to report same-sex intimacy as men. That's interesting. Why is that happening in our society today? What does it have to do with the breakdown of our borders, language, and culture? How do we reach a point where the CDC is studying a thing like this, instead of warning us about and preventing the new disease outbreaks being caused by uncontrolled immigration. This is an example of the meltdown of our science as well, the meltdown of medicine in the United States. I want you to learn where all this is coming from and try to stop where it is taking us, because when anything goes, everything goes. I'm Michael Savage, and we're talking about what I would do if I were president on today's podcast. What a strange time it is to live in America today. 
home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. All right, welcome back to the Michael Savage Podcast. Years ago, when Biden uh, was just still a dream in the eyes of the left, we had a president named Barack Obama, and I wrote a book called Scorched Earth, Restoring the Country After Obama. I want to refer to it for a few minutes for reasons you will soon see. This was uh, published in 2016, Scorched Earth. And there was a subchapter in there entitled, Bring Back UAC, Call an LAC, the Love America Committee. Now, that's what the left does, is everything they do, they twist the reality of it and make it into what it isn't. So let's call it the Love America Committee. And I said this, I said, if Donald Trump becomes president, I wonder whether we'll see a revival of groups such as the House Un-American Activities Committee. I hope so. I can name several people who should go before UAC today. I wrote this. Some will say, well, come on now, that's fascistic. Really? You mean what Obama and its anarchistic supporters were doing to America was not fascistic? And you mean now what Biden is doing to America is not fascistic? You mean the controlling of our speech through boycotts and through false righteous indignation and control of the media is not a form of fascism? I wrote that then, and I write it today again on this podcast, because I believe this country needs a thorough house cleaning. Now, we allegedly have a majority in the House of Representatives. And we know that the new House of Representatives under the left-wing McConnellites and others, even though he's allegedly in the Senate, will not consider a House of Un-American Activities Committee hearing under any condition. We have people who stay in the government no matter who is in power. It doesn't matter if it is a Republican president or a Democrat president. These people are permanently fixed in places such as the State Department, and they do not fight for America. They fight against America. Take a look at Janet Yellen. Why is she still in power? How did Fauci stay in power for over 45 years? Now, let's go back to my statement about HUAC. We hear that HUAC hearings during the McCarthy era ruined many lives. Have you ever read the Venona Papers? These were Soviet-era secret correspondences that came out a little over two decades ago, which confirmed that almost everything that Joseph McCarthy had been saying about the news media and Hollywood was true. That there were communists who were openly subverting America in this country in the 1950s. Can anyone tell me the name of someone whose life was actually ruined by UAC? who was not really working to subvert America, who was not really a communist or fellow traveler. I'd like to know who that life was and whose life was ruined. I believe it's a myth that lives of totally innocent people were ruined. I know there were movies made and still are being made about the plight of the poor liberals who were found out by UAC. I remember a movie called The Front with Zero Mostel in which he played an innocent actor who jumped out of a window because the House of Un-American Activities Committee went after him. Hollywood has made many, many movies about the blacklist. We hear about the blacklist. But how many innocent people's lives were actually ruined by the blacklist? The operative word here is innocent. Does anyone have their names? I'm sure you can come up with them. But how many lives are being ruined now by the blacklists of the left in this country? How many people in the media have had their lives ruined by the blacklist being kept by the left? Remember this. The House of Un-American Activities Committee was an investigative committee formed by the U.S. House of Representatives. 
It was originally created, most people don't know this, in 1938 to uncover citizens with Nazi ties inside the United States, as well as possible Communist Party infiltrators. Now, if I were to revitalize and to suggest that we have a new UAC, I would investigate people with ties to Communist China and other countries that do not have our best interests in mind. Who would object to that? I believe there are many traitors among us right now, such as the nuclear secret thieves Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, people who would gladly see a dirty bomb go off in this country, and I stand by those words. We do not have the time to pussyfoot around. The time bomb is ticking. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I want to remind you of something. Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were American citizens who were tried for, convicted of, and executed for conspiracy to commit espionage. Were they innocent? No. They were instrumental in passing information about the atomic bomb to the Soviet Union of Joseph Stalin, which speeded the development of Soviet nuclear weapons. The Rosenbergs were disastrous longtime communists and spies. Those American citizens, by the way, were tried as a result of investigations, and they were convicted of conspiracy to commit espionage in 1951 and put to death in the electric chair in 1953. There were many people who said they were not innocent. Many stories came out afterwards by relatives and others proving beyond a reasonable doubt that the Rosenbergs were in fact Soviet spies and that they were surrounded by spies. Take Ethel's brother, David Greenglass, who supplied documents to Julius from Los Alamos and who spent 10 years behind bars. He was absolutely guilty. There was Harry Gold, Greenglass's courier, who served 15 years in federal prison, guilty. There was also a German scientist named Klaus Fuchs, who turned over secret atomic bomb information to the Soviet Union and who served nine years and four months in prison, guilty. Now, what I'm about to tell you is the most important part of this diversion. In 1995, the United States government released a series of decoded Soviet cables codenamed Venona. I read them on my radio show, the Venona Papers, back in 1995. Those papers confirmed that Julius Rosenberg had acted as a courier and recruiter for the Soviets. Ethel Rosenberg's brother, David Greenglass, whose testimony had condemned her, later stated that he had lied about his sister to protect his own wife, Ruth, who had been the typist of the classified documents he stole, and that he had been encouraged to do so by the prosecution itself. Morton Sobel, who was tried with the Rosenbergs, served 17 years and nine months of a 30-year sentence. In 2008, Sobel admitted he had been a spy and stated that Julius Rosenberg had spied for the Soviets and that Ethel Rosenberg had known what he was doing. There's a lot more to this story. Just remember that Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, these type of infiltrators, are still alive and well, working like thieves in the night to undermine the pillars of our nation. We must root them out. And so I go back to what I asked a moment ago on this podcast, a very simple question. Which of the actors, writers, and directors who were blacklisted were not in fact members of the Communist Party USA at the time or, let us say, secretly associated with Communist parties at that time? But what about the current blacklist? We have current blacklists all over America today. That is why people like myself are never seen on television shows by and large. 
And that is why so many people are blacklisted from the media, because we have blacklists today. And that's why I suggest that we need to create a new UAC in an attempt to ferret out those with ties against America. Now, I want to go back in history just a little bit for a moment with you right now. The Alien Registration Act was passed by Congress on June 29, 1940. It made it illegal for anyone in the United States to advocate, abet, or teach the desirability of overthrowing the government. The law also required all alien residents of the United States over 14 years of age to file a comprehensive statement of their personal and occupational status and a record of their political beliefs. According to the Spartacus League, the main objective of the Alien Registration Act was to undermine the Communist Party USA and other left-wing political groups in the United States. Good for them. Now, as I said to you before, the House of Un-American Activities Committee was originally set up by Congress in 1938 to investigate people suspected of aiding and abetting the Nazis, as well as <coughs> uncovering communist infiltration. But the radicals in the Spartacus League, in other words, the Bernie Sanders types, didn't like it very much. And then let's look at the motion picture industry. Huack named a number of individuals. Bertolt Brecht, names you wouldn't remember. Dalton Trumbo, Ring Lardner Jr. They refused to answer any questions and they were known as the Hollywood Ten. They claimed that the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution gave them the right to do so, and they were right. That's why so many members of the Obama administration copped to the First Amendment and, like gangsters, took the Fifth Amendment. Did you ever live through a time when the people who ran the IRS were under investigation for crimes against innocent civilians and would take the Fifth Amendment instead of answering questions and not be put in jail? That's what happened in America. Under your hero of liberalism, Barack Obama, they took the Fifth Amendment. Never forget this. Many of you will say, look, Savage, you don't really believe in a blacklist, do you? You don't want one, right? I'll answer that I wish it weren't necessary, but you're damn right I want one. I want one for people who hate our nation and want to see it destroyed. I want to know exactly who they are and I want them stopped. Now, many of you will say that such a thing is wrong, unconstitutional, inhuman. Is it? Is survival inhuman? How come none of you who are would-be defenders of truth and justice rushed to my defense when I was blacklisted by all of the media? How come you didn't come to my defense when I was banned in England? How come you didn't care about that blacklist? How come you plastic conservative pundits out there didn't say one word when I, the only member of the American media, was banned from entering Great Britain for statements I didn't even make? Where were you great defenders of the First Amendment when I needed you? The answer is nowhere, because you're the very same plastic conservatives that you blast every day on your radio and television shows. You are the problem, my friends, not the left. You are the plastic conservatives. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? 
please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.